my name is Philippe Girin, a professor in the history department at McNeese State University. And I am Simon Kohler Jr., also history major at McNeese. Welcome to Your Grandma Rocks, where we explore the lives of famous women in history. Welcome and bienvenue à nos amis francophones. Vous écoutez la radio de l'Université McNeese. On the program today, music and history as we retrace the life of a remarkable woman. She was an advocate for words, a nurturer to the African-American race, the reigning champion of poets. And a dancer, and a cable car driver, and a journalist. And the general spokesman for black culture. Her name was? Margaret Annie Johnson. But we know her as Maya Angelou. Along the way, we'll sample some songs of struggle and strife who had a big impact on the world, just like her. Sounds good to me. What is number one on your list? Sam Cooke's 1964 hit, A Change Is Gonna Come. Oh, yes, it will. 
Bonjour and welcome back to Your Grammar Rocks. We just listened to A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke. Je suis Philippe Girard. And I am Simon Kohler Jr. Today we're exploring the life of American poet, singer, memoirist, and civil rights activist Maya Angelou. Just to make it clear to our listeners, I normally write the scripts for this show, but this season I took a step back and let students at McNeese pick the topics and do the research. The only requirements were it had to be a woman because, well, this is a women's history show, and it had to be a special kind of woman because we only profile remarkable figures on the show. So tell me, Simon, why did you choose Maya Angelou? For the people who don't know Dr. Maya Angelou, she had a book of poems published in 1995 by the name of Phenomenal Woman. Let me read you guys a line from this book. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say it is the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the rod of my breast, the grace of my style. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Well, I asked you to pick a remarkable woman for the show, and you picked a phenomenal woman. Okay, let's get started. Walk us through her life. It's funny you ask that, because she was a multitude of things. This woman worked with both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Well, talk about name-dropping. And as monumental as those two men are, Maya Angelou was just as big. So where did it all start? Well, she was born under the name of Margaret Johnson in St. Louis, Missouri, on April 4, 1928. So tell me, why did she change her name? Her brother said, this is my sister, so that turned into Maya. Okay, Maya. But what about the last name? Angelou is not exactly a traditional African-American name. It's not. She married a Greek man later on. Okay, later on. Okay, we'll get to that in time. What was her childhood like? Not good. Her parents split up when she was four. Then she spent her childhood moving between her moms, her dads, and her grandmothers. So many women on our show had difficult childhoods. Uh, what about her? What was the low point of her childhood? Her parents splitting up? Oh, that was much worse. At the age of eight, she was raped by her mother's boyfriend. Was her rapist ever punished? Well, kind of. He served one day in jail for the crime. One day? That doesn't seem like much. But wait, family members didn't kill him after he got out of prison. So the rapist was punished, just not in a legal way. Wow. How did she process all of that? She became a mute for almost five years. So what caused her to become a mute? The trauma of being raped at such a young age? Sure, but she felt guilty for what happened to the rapist, too. She stated, I thought my voice killed him. I killed that man because I told his name, and then I thought I would never speak again because my voice would kill anyone. So do you think that this suffering at a young age is what drove her to be this phenomenal kind of woman? Possibly. This is around the time she developed her love for books and literature. Her teacher, Bertha Flowers, introduced her to various artists to help her cope. Okay, so who did she read? Everybody. Household names like Charles Dickens, William Shakespeare, and Edgar Allan Poe. But also black female authors like Frances Harper and Anne Spencer. Wow, that's quite the list. I see where she got her way with words. Maya Angelou credited her teacher with helping learn to speak again. And after five years of silence, she spoke. Well, that's always a proud moment for a teacher when you feel like you have made a difference in somebody's life. Maybe it's time for our next song? Our next artist was also very powerful with words. Let's listen to What's Going On by the soulful Marvin Gaye. Some loving here today 
wicked signs Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Welcome back. I'm Simon Kohler Jr., co-host of Your Grandma Rocks, your favorite woman's history show on KBUIS. Et je suis Philippe Girard. Vous écoutez la radio de l'Université McNeese. We just listened to What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Today we're talking about Maya Angelou, American poet, singer, memoirist, and civil rights activist. Before our break, we retraced her upbringing, including her traumatic rape at age eight. So how did she go from victim of child abuse all the way to world-famous poet? It was quite a journey. First off, she moved yet again with her mother to California, where she got a job as a cable car operator in San Francisco. Cable car operator? That's a strange background for a poet. She just loved the outfit. The outfit like the uniform? Exactly, at least for a while, because then she took on dance. Okay, that means that's closer to poetry, just the kind of poetry that you do with your body. Was she any good at it? Well, she actually was. She studied and worked with Alvin Alley and Pearl Primus in California and New York City. These are big names in the field. She learned from the best. She, had, she and her husband put together a dance show and took it on the road, but it was a commercial failure. Her husband, the Greek guy that you mentioned earlier? Right, right. He was an electrician named Tosh Angelos. That's why she took the stage name Angelo. An electrician and a dancer. That's another weird combination. Well, Maya Angelo's mom was a nurse and a car dealer, so people can have all sorts of different talents, I guess. So did she stick with dancing, despite the initial failure of that show that she did with her Greek husband? She did. Well, she didn't stick with her husband, per se. They got divorced in 1954, but then she found success as a solo dancer and even played all over Europe in production of Porgy and Bess. That's appropriate. That was a groundbreaking opera by George Gershwin that focused on black people in the South. So we only have so much room for songs in the show, but if you get a chance, I would recommend listening to the song Summertime from that opera. It's an absolute classic. It is. Then Maya Angelou became even bigger during the Calypso craze. Oh, I love Calypso. You know, I'm a Caribbean historian, so that's right down my alley. It's the national music of Trinidad. Whatever it is, it worked for her. She recorded an album and then played in the movie Calypso Heat Wave. She's starting to get big. So when did she transition from show business to political activism? I'd say around 1960. That's when she met Martin Luther King Jr. She organized a cabaret for freedom to benefit the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And she was named Northern Coordinator. She was an important fundraiser for civil rights. She seems to have been a very militant and goal-driven woman. I'll give you an example of the type of woman she was. Maya Angelou once appeared on the Oprah Winfrey Show. Oprah asked her, did she consider herself wise? Angelou said that she was en route 
An elderly woman at the age of 72 said she was still en route. Wow, that's amazing. But it's funny that you mentioned Oprah Winfrey. I just taped a show about her life with one of your classmates, Isaiah Emanuel, and it's a small world. We're talking about the same person yet again. But back to the narrative. Didn't Maya Angelou spend time in Africa around that time? She did. She was romantically involved with a South African who was active against apartheid. So she lived with him in Egypt for a while and worked as a journalist in Cairo. Then after they broke up, she moved to Ghana. Well, that's a pretty typical journey for an African-American activist in the 60s. A lot of black Americans were rediscovering their roots, and obviously Africa was a place to do it. And especially now in the late 50s, early 60s, when Africa was being decolonized. And Ghana, the country where she was, that was the first black country in Africa to get independence in 1957. So she was smack in the middle of things. Speaking of black activists, didn't you say that she was friends also with Malcolm X? She was. She actually met Malcolm X when she lived in Ghana. She got back to the U.S. to help him with this new civil rights organization, the Organization of Afro-American Unity. But then Malcolm X was shot. The 60s were a violent time. A lot of the great figures from that era were shot. John and Robert Kennedy, of course, and Malcolm X. So how did she react? She became devastated by the loss of her dear friend, and this gave her the type of pain needed to channel into her writing. Was she also devastated by the deaths of Martin Luther King Jr. because he was shot too in 68? Yes, the bittersweet part about that is that he was assassinated on her birthday. But if 1968 was a year of great pain, loss, and sadness, it was also the year when America's first witnessed the breadth and the depth of Maya Angelou's spirit and creative genius. She sure faced a ton of adversity. And every time, she prevailed no matter what. Well, we will get to her career in literature in just a second. But before, let's listen to her performance in the 1957 musical Calypso Heat Wave. Hand. 
Ain't your mama done told ya? Ain't she done scold ya and scold ya? Ain't she done warned you before Joe? If they catch you, you run Joe, run Joe, run Joe, run Joe, run Joe, oh! Those police wanna catch up with Joe. Joe, run too slow. Bonjour à tous and welcome back to Eurogrammar Rocks on KBYS. Je suis Philippe Girard. And I am Simon Kohler Jr. Today we're covering the life of Dr. Maya Angelou, American poet, memoirs, and civil rights activist. And quite a few other things too. Before this last song, we followed her early career as a cable car operator in San Francisco, dancer, and singer before she transitioned to being a part of political activism and writing. So Simon, please speak to us now about Maya Angelou as a writer. Well, in 1969, she wrote, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. This book would give her international recognition as a writer. What was it about that book that spoke to people in a tumultuous time like the 1960s? Authenticity. It is an autobiographical book with a hint of literature. It explored identity, rape, racism, and literacy. She talked about the life of women in a male-dominated society. All which are still relevant in today's age, I must say. And definitely fitting for a time when civil rights and feminism were on the rise. That's not even the half of it. That is just the beginning. So what happened after she got international recognition then? She became the first black woman to write a screenplay named Georgia, Georgia. It was released in 1972. You mean like she wrote an actual movie? Not only did she write the screenplay, she wrote the film's soundtrack too. So she was a singer-songwriter too. She worked as a composer, writer for singer Roberta Flack. She wrote articles, short stories, TV scripts, documentaries, autobiographies, and poetry. Wow, that's an incredible list of accomplishments, especially for women of color in a very segregated time. And I know why The Caged Bird Sings is really uh, her most famous book. But not the only one. She wrote seven autobiographies in all. Wow, seven? That's funny. In this show, we often complain that we don't have enough primary sources because women, and especially minority women, have left few traces in the archives. And here we have a person, Maya Angelou, who wrote her life seven <laughs> times. Well, to be clear, she didn't go over the same story seven times. I know why the Caged Bird Singing just covers her early years, from her difficult childhood and her rape to the time she became a mother at age 16. Think of it as coming of age story. We still have to be careful as historians, though. Even when we have access to detailed and thoughtful autobiography, or even seven in her case, we must always be on the lookout for potential bias or inaccuracies. I know her autobiographies were often criticized for occasionally veering away from the truth. They did. Think of them as intimate pieces of fiction based on her experiences. Sometimes a lyrical approach can be even more true to life than just a recitation of facts. Right. We did a show on Rigoberta Menchu, an Indian woman from Guatemala whose autobiography was also attacked for some factual errors. And Rigoberta Menchu's response was the same. By nitpicking like that, critics miss the bigger story. Is there something about an autobiography that plays a special role in black literature? Because I know the narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass was a very big deal in the 19th century. Or other narratives by ex-slaves like Oda Equiano. Or much more recently, Barack Obama. When he was only 45, he had already written two autobiographical works. Dreams from My Father and then The Audacity of Hope. What I say, yes. Historically, it's a group that has been silenced in the archives. So for Maya Angelou, writing her own story was way to reclaim some agency. You could say she was black and proud. Black and proud. That sounds familiar. Right. Let's listen to some more music by James Brown. Uh, 
This was I'm Black and I'm Proud by James Brown. You're listening to Your Grandma Rocks on KBYS. I'm Simon Kohler Jr. Je suis Philippe Girard. Today we are retracing the life of Dr. Maya Angelou. She began her life in St. Louis, Missouri. At the age of eight, she was raped by her mother's boyfriend. This prompted a silence within her, but she overcame that trauma and she eventually became a world-famous author. Maya Angelou was also a reluctant actor. Did you know that? No way. She acted too. The list of things that she could do just goes on and on and on. Yes, she did. In 1973, she was nominated for a Tony Award for her role in Look Away. Did she play in any other movies or TV shows that we might know? She starred in the miniseries Roots. Oh, that was another seminal moment. That book by Alex Haley was a huge hit, and the TV miniseries introduced a lot of white Americans to the reality of the slave trade and slavery in the U.S., while we're on the topic of roots, I also want to give a shout out to the show Finding New Roots on PBS with Henry Louis Gates Jr. There's also the website theroot.com on black news, opinion, and culture. But back to Maya Angelou. You said earlier on the show that she was a spokesman, or spokeswoman in her case, for black culture. What did you mean by that? She was the matriarchal figure that some African-Americans families lacked in the household. Can you elaborate maybe more on this topic? She was a teacher. She never studied formally or got a university degree, but she received a ton of honorary degrees from universities. And in 1981, she became a professor at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. She taught subjects such as philosophy, ethics, the theology, science, theater, and writing. I wonder what it was like to be taught by the great Maya Angelou in college. Well, despite how great it might sound, she didn't receive the type of reception you may think. Why that? Well, according to the Winston-Salem Journal, even though she made many friends on campus, she never quite lived down all the criticism from people who thought she was more of a celebrity than intellect and overpaid figurehead. 
I can see how that happens. African-American studies was still a very new field in the 1980s, so not everyone was ready to accept it as a bona fide academic enterprise. But isn't that traditional for big-name universities to hire famous names to raise the profile of the university? Oh, yeah, that's standard practice. Nobody bats an eye when a former Secretary of State is hired to teach foreign policy at Georgetown University. I think her case was more controversial just because her profile was less conventional. But wasn't she legit? I mean, she's not just some idiot from the street. She had a distinguished career as an author by then. Oh, yes. Again, if she had just been some boring old white dude with a career in government, nobody would have questioned her academic credentials. But you always ruffle a few feathers when you break down barriers like she did. Well, in the end, she overcame every obstacle and built a legacy for all of us. We are Dr. Myangela. We are a part of her. You know, that kind of reminds me of a song. I knew you would see that. Here's Michael Jackson with a perfect song to bring us to the 1980s. There comes a time when we heed a certain call, when the world must come together as one. There are people dying, oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life, the greatest gift of
Salut à tous. This was We Are the World by Michael Jackson. Je m'appelle Philippe Girard. And I am Simon Kohler Jr. You're listening to Your Grandmother Rocks on KBYS, a show about famous women from centuries past. Today we chase the life of Dr. Maya Angelou, the American poet and activist. So for the people out there who want to educate themselves on the life and legacy of Maya Angelou, what would you recommend for us to read? Well, as I said before, she has a ton of autobiographical books, starting with I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, published in 1969. If you prefer to read her poetry, I would recommend And Still I Rise from 1978. That's where the poem Phenomenal Woman is from. Give us a fun fact about Maya Angelou. Dr. Maya Angelou won a Grammy Award, but not for a song. So what did she get it for? She recited a poem at the presidential inauguration of Bill Clinton in 1993, The Pulse of Mourning. The recording of this poem won her a Grammy Award. Another book to add to your reading list. Wait, she recited a poem at the presidential inauguration? Yes, she's legendary. First time it had happened since the inauguration of JFK. Another fun fact, who did she support in the 2008 presidential primaries? Oh, that one is easy. Barack Obama, for sure. And you're wrong. She supported Hillary Clinton, though obviously when Obama won the primaries, anyway, she rallied behind him in the general election. Another fun fact, what is the name of Obama's sister? Something to do with Maya Angelou, I guess? Yes, his sister was named after her. Well, let's end with one last fact that isn't quite as fun. When did she leave us? 2014. Amazingly, she was working on her eighth autobiography at the time. Wow, I imagine her funeral was a big deal. Oh, yes. Oprah Winfrey spoke, as well as Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. Old was she? She was 86. Well, that's a life well lived. Well, what a life. We're glad we could share it with you. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. Au revoir.